to Body Truth, a podcast that explores the relationship that we have with our body, food, and life told through a storytelling lens. I'm your host, Caitlin Parsons. I'm a certified intuitive eating and body image coach committed to changing the cultural narrative around how we take up space. Each week, you'll hear from thought leaders who are ready to dismantle shame through sharing vulnerably. We'll discuss everything from individual body image stories to challenging cultural messages, reshaping beliefs, practical support tools, and more. We'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll heal. Let's take the next step towards embodying our truth together. Hello, welcome back to the show. So glad you're with us today. I have a fabulous guest on the show. Oh my God, if you're looking to feel inspired and if you're stuck in a funk and just need to be pulled out of it, I have got the girl for you. I have Rubina Burnaby on the show today. We are talking all about roller skating and body image and owning your authenticity. I cannot think of a better person to talk about all of these themes with. Rubina is somebody who walks her talk. She has a powerful body image story, which we dive into in our conversation. Um, But the way that Rubina shows up in the world now is exactly how she shows up in this conversation today. And I, I don't think I've ever had a guest on the show who I've really felt that strongly about. She just has this energy that is um, magnetic and this way of telling her truth that is so rich and vulnerable and inspiring, like I had mentioned before. Um, I mean, okay, here's a great example of how much I love her. I thought, when I saw Rubini was coming on the show, this is somebody who loves roller skating, amazing, very cool for her. By the end of the conversation, I was like clicking by uh, in in the cart for my roller skates. <laughs> Not really. I do plan to buy a pair of roller skates though, based on this conversation though. And I would imagine you probably will want to also. She is just the perfect spokesperson for roller skating and this community and the embodiment practice that roller skating facilitates. Um, She really goes into explaining how this culture facilitates deep levels of community and and embodiment and self-expression in ways that I certainly did not realize before getting to talk to her more. So let me tell you a bit more about Rubina before we dive in. Rubina is a Filipina Asian American woman born and raised in Los Angeles, California, who turned her pandemic hobby into a full-on lifestyle and career change. Rubina is passionate about inspiring and empowering others to be the best version of themselves and live their best lives. So like I mentioned, we talk about her body image story, the standards and expectations growing up in a Filipino culture, growing up in LA, and her personal experience with LA culture, as well as bullying and how that impacted her mental health, her body image growing up. We talk about Rubina's journey of creating a new narrative for her body and how she chooses to show up in the world in her body today. 
the power of personal responsibility. We dig way into that and why it's so important. And also roller skating, why she got into it and practical tips on how you can get started too. Because like I mentioned before, I don't know how you'll walk away from this conversation and not want a pair of roller skates. This is something I used to do a lot when I was a kid. So I'm excited to get back to my childhood roots. I will let you know when I do buy a pair of roller skates and actually strap them on my feet. Um, but I used to roller skate a lot when I was growing up and rollerblade. So it, it feels like something that will be really fun um, in the next couple of months when I actually get there. And by the way, if you're sitting there thinking, I don't want roller skates because I don't want to end up in the hospital. <laughs> we talk about that too in this conversation. So there are options. It's not black and white. As you know, there are always shades of gray that are really beautiful that we can lean into. So we, we talk about how to support you if that is your fear coming up. Um, that is it. Before we dive in, one quick announcement. I do have one coaching uh, spot opening up for October. So if you are at a place in your life where you are at a point where you're ready to get support around healing your relationship with food and your body image, I want to invite you to reach out and apply for a body trust breakthrough call on this conversation. We really unpack what is keeping you stuck in the all or nothing cycle with food and your body image and how to really get to the next step where you can feel more free and more authentic and more confident in your skin, more comfortable in your skin, and also a really practical solution for you wherever you're at in your body image journey right now. It might not be coaching with me. I don't always extend an invitation to work with everybody that I talk to. Like I said, I only have one spot, but my my promise is that on this conversation, I will give you a next step, um, whether that is another resource for coaching, another resource or tool in general before you feel ready to reach out to a coach or come back to our conversation, but you will not leave empty handed. Um, so if this is resonating with you, if you are feeling like you are in a place where you need some deep support around untangling diet culture and these beliefs and these pieces of life that are really keeping you stuck and in this pattern of the all or nothing cycle with food and your body. Um, I would love to talk to you more about that. So we'll link that call in our show notes, as well as all of the things that we talked to Rabina about um, and how you can connect with her, how you can get your pair of fabulous roller skates. So click the show notes. We also have the transcription for the podcast there as well, too. All right. That is it. I love you. I know you're going to love Rubina. Have a beautiful week and enjoy this conversation. Okay. Miss Rubina Burnaby. Hello. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I was going to say welcome back. I don't know why. It's like, welcome. <laughs> That's my show now. <laughs> It is your show now. <laughs> and from, from getting to know you already, that doesn't surprise me. You can have the show for this episode. <laughs> we chatted for all of two and a half minutes and you already know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad that. That makes a lot of I, sense. And I, I love that about you. I can't wait to hear your story. Let's dive right on in because there's so much to get into today. You ready? 
Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we always start with the first question, your first body awareness moment. So my love, what did that look like? That first moment where he realized I'm in a body, this apparently means something in the world that I'm living in. What did that look like for you? And also how did that shape your relationship with your body moving forward and or food? Just share your story, take up space. Yeah. Thank you so much for even take up space. And that's the problem. They've been telling us not to as women. (laughs) Can you be as small as possible? Yes. (laughs) The world we live in. Um, And it's funny because I actually am one of the tiniest people you will ever meet. I am four nine. I think I stopped growing in the fifth grade. A lot of things actually happened in the fifth grade. And that's actually my first real memory of like, oh man, my body. Um, Because two things, I'm Filipino. I call it Philippine yes, because I'm such a yes person, but (laughs) that's a whole other story. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But why does it have no in it? I like saying yes. So I changed it. Um, Shape your environment. Uh, Basically in the fifth grade, I won 100%. I feel like I was really early on with this. I got my period and that was like real awareness. I was like, oh, oh my God, what is, and nobody else, you know, nobody, this was happening to almost nobody else in in my grade or in my age group. Um, But in addition to getting my period and being Filipino, um, it was like in Tagalog, we say, oh, which is like, oh, you're a lady now. Mm. Um, And the culture is very, I don't know if you know any Filipinos, but the culture is very honest. We're very honest and almost blunt. It, it almost hurts. <laughs> it's it's our culture to be very, you know, upfront with one, one another. Like if you gain weight and it doesn't matter what age you are, if you gain weight, they'll pinch the part of your body that you gained weight in. Like they'll straight up just go up to you and pinch it. Mm. So I think the combination of me being Filipino and being fifth grade and getting my period, um, I kind of, my weight was just all weird and crazy. And I was, I remember, I don't know who in my family did it. That's the part I don't remember. I must've blocked it out. But I remember being teased about, um, you know, parts of my body changing and feeling like already in the fifth grade, like I was overweight and I'm four nine and I stopped growing in the fifth grade. And that was when I, remember feeling like oh my gosh I'm and I hate using this word word now because I really try not to because it's so unnecessary but I felt fat like I felt like I was fat and if you saw pictures of me in the fifth grade you'd be like you're a crazy person and you're not wrong but that's how I felt I felt like I was fat and then you know I think coupled with having hormones all of a sudden at nine years old it made for a bad combination Yeah, that's really interesting. The expression, I feel fat, is is so interesting to explore. Like, what, yeah. you know, fat is, is such an emotionally charged word that can actually be so helpful and so healing when we can use it as a descriptor and everybody has their own lived experience with it. But what you're referring to, I feel fat, what yeah. does fat feel like? Because technically, fat is a descriptor. And right. And it shouldn't be a bad thing. Like, you know, there's the pH fat. Remember pH fat? Do you remember that fat? That was cool. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That that was an emotion, uh, like an emotional descriptor. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So 
how did that shape your relationship with your body moving forward then from from fifth grade being in this position where essentially you're kind of done growing like you mentioned in terms of height wise but your body is still developing and also your hormones are changing you're becoming a woman yeah Uh, what was your relationship with your body growing up oh man it was I've I really have not talked about this a lot and it feels like I'm like really excited to for whatever reason because I just know how common it is because if I experienced it I can't imagine now with social media what people are experiencing um I had the, the worst relationship with my body like I remember already because it started in fifth grade I remember already you know in the years following in middle school trying to kind of already limit what I eat or watch what I eat or be I remember and this is so terrible I would waste hard cooked meals that my mom would wake up early to make honestly it brings me to tears when I think about how terrible when I wasted food because I didn't want to eat it in in fear of gaining weight and that's you know fifth sixth seventh eighth grade and now I carried it into high school for sure high school was probably the worst that's when I I shifted from being in private school to being in public school, which changed basically me being able to wear like a uniform, which it didn't matter. You know, you couldn't really, everyone looked the same. And then in public school, everyone wearing, it was a whole new world. I was like, oh my gosh, people are showing their midriff and like, it was crazy. And I remember then that's, I definitely starved myself. I would try and I would sometimes even, this is terrible. This is so terrible. I would chew food and just to taste it and then spit it out. Like, wow. Like, uh, I don't know if I've ever even admitted that to myself, but I, the wasting of food now, when I think about it, just because uh, how often I did that and how, how many years just to avoid, avoid, just to prevent any kind of weight gain which is so uh, I can't even believe the things we convince ourselves um, because of the society we live in you know and I grew up obviously in Los Angeles and I I don't know if I can say this but I feel like some of the most beautiful people are here which is amazing and great but then it's terrible for you as a person growing up here sometimes because of comparison you know you constantly comparing um it's just the combination of me already having this complex and then growing up in a place that hyper focuses on your looks um my relationship with my body was just so toxic so toxic I'm laughing about it now because I luckily I've made it to the other side but there were many times I cried over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're you're not alone with that. That is for sure. What was it like in your family, Rubina? Because you mentioned before the culture is is pretty blunt, and in terms yeah. of body image, they're uh, not really shy and holding back opinions and whatnot. But in your immediate family, or possibly even into your extended family, were body something that were talked about regularly? Was it? something that was um, kind of measured in terms of value or worthiness or what was the relationship that your family had with body image talk or dieting or whatnot? It's, it's weird to think about because 
in Filipino culture, you're encouraged to eat. Like you have to eat. Like if you go to a party and you don't eat, it's disrespectful. Or if somebody, if your auntie or your tita or your tito, they make you a meal and you don't finish the whole thing, it's disrespectful. But on the other hand of that, they will full on make fun of you if they see you and you've gained weight. It doesn't even make any sense, honestly. Um, and this is the first time I've really compared those two. Like, wait, they would say you have to eat. And then if you ate enough and, you know, gained a little bit of weight somehow, even if it's for the, were the holidays, they would chastise you for it. I mean, I don't want to say I hate attacking the Filipino culture because there are parts of it that's really great with the bluntness and, you know, we don't beat around the bush. That's great. But then there are parts where even with mental health as the Filipino, like they don't acknowledge that as a as a thing, you know, that needs to be taken care of. And mm -hmm. dieting in the Philippines or when in our culture is kind of like, uh, how do they say it? There's a, there's a saying, um, oh, there's, they'd say mug reduce, like she's reducing her intake, but they, they would make fun of you even for dieting. But I think it's because we're just a very, I don't know, it's like poke fun culture. Mm -hmm. And some of it is really, you know, lighthearted and fun and it keeps it light. But then some of it, if you are not in the right state of mind, is really harmful to mm -hmm. your your entire being, especially growing up, because you're like, this is funny, but now I'm insecure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? it makes sense. It's it the way you're describing it, it, it I'm sure that there is this uh sense of not feeling safe in your own body when it's kind of on display to be commented on all the time and especially in a and such a young, young impressionable age growing up where you already have the pressures of uh school and just the emotional ups and downs of hormonal changes and all those things like you mentioned before to to not really feel like you have the the boundaries for yourself that's that makes a lot of sense what <laughs> What about, um, what is like the body standard that the Filipino culture strives for typically? Is it, it like, what, what is the, oh, is it, is it a certain body size or? Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, it's definitely. It's even your skin color also. So not, this is a whole other thing, but it's. Yeah, tell us about it. They have whitening lotions and like whitening soaps and whitening, like uh, it is uh, not uncommon to go into someone's house in the Philippines and they'll have whitening products, not for your teeth. They don't care about that. It's for your skin because it's a sign of um, class, basically. If you have lighter skin, that means you're not, you know, working in the rights fields. But even it's such a fine boundary too, because, you know, the Philippines is a third world country where a lot of people are skinny but that's not exactly by choice you know mm -hmm. um out of you know scarcity but it, as far as image wise what matters to them this is spe specifically about like a filipino the, what they idealize as like a woman it's definitely the light skin skinny but with curves mm -hmm. yeah let me have it all please jeez <laughs> um skinny but with curves and um even the nose even the nose is something you have to be like if your nose is flatter you'll be made fun of than if your nose nose is more you know colonialized like pointy it's crazy the image they focus a lot on image as well but different things than we do I would say sometimes did you grow up with sisters 
I have one sister. Yes. So how was your relationship with her growing up? Did the two of you talk about this at all? Or did you talk about this with any friends at school? Or did, did you feel like this is something that you kind of had to um, figure out on your own in terms of body image and just the cultural narrative that we're talking about right now too? I really wish I did talk to anyone about any of it. I really held all of it in. It came to like a, a point when I was in, I think, I don't know if I was a junior where I had to basically go see a therapist because I was holding all of this in from like fifth grade, you know? It yeah. was a long time of me not, and I don't, it's not because anybody had, you know, made me feel like I couldn't. I just am somebody I've always been somebody who tried to handle things by themselves. I don't know why, um, but I we never talked about it. I'm pretty. We talk about it now, which is great, but we never talked about it growing up. But also, we were three years apart, and we weren't very close. We argued a lot, as you do as teenage sure. <laughs> sisters, but we didn't really start getting close or talking about anything that, um, as far as being a woman and growing up and those hardships, until you know we were in our twenties. But growing up together as sisters in this, I think I remember being jealous because she had a different figure than I did. I remember feeling like I felt like I was inferior in appearance for sure. Mm. She was like the pretty one with like a nice body and I was just short and stumpy and whatever. Mm. So what's the role that you assumed in the family? What were you, what was kind of the identity that, that you coined for yourself? I was a tomboy. It just felt safer. You know, I 100% went all in on the tomboy. I had short hair, short, short, short hair in eighth grade. No other, I, (laughs) nobody else in my school had that hair. And I just assumed the role of, I guess it would be easier that way than to try and be something I clearly was not. Wow, that's so interesting. So it's almost like this, uh, like perfectionism getting yes. into it of like, well, if I don't try, then I can't fail. So I just- Oh my God. It. Are you a therapist? This feels like a therapy session right now because <laughs> that is so accurate. Yeah. I just barely let go of the perfectionism thing, but that I grew up 100% with that mindset of, I'll, I can't fail if I don't try. Mm-hmm. I'm- it's uh it's quite an untangling process I think I'm going to be untangling it for the rest of my life exactly (laughs) there's uh, no shame here at all Uh, let's bring it back to that moment where you realized that it it was necessary to reach out to get some support so you mentioned you were like a junior in high school right yeah so what was the moment like for you where you made that decision uh, man, this was after I had low key, nobody would know, but I was like starving myself a little bit. I would look, I would uh, so crazy calorie count and I would run uphill in the heat, really not safe things to do to yourself just to try and be more quote unquote fit or feminine. Um, and junior year I don't know if you remember this or if anybody else remembers but it's like one of the harder years of high school oh my god hands down right yes thank Uh, you for saying that I I personally yes that's when shit hit the fan for me too but yes this is your story so how did that how did that I'm glad 
about that because it really shit hit the fan for me. Uh, I was like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember feeling so worthless. My God, worthless is the right phrase. Um, I was sitting in my closet crying and just not wanting to even exist. And I don't even, I can't even remember what it was that made me feel that way exactly. I, it was my first time experiencing being bullied also because mm-hmm. I wasn't in the sheltered private school anymore and I was in a public school, but I don't remember anything particular. I just remember being like sitting in the closet, crying, sobbing and not wanting to even be, oh my gosh, oh, it's like hitting me right now. I forgot that that moment existed. You know, you can bury that stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you just say you were bullied? Y- yeah, I did get bullied late in high school. How because, so? Um, well, I don't know if you can tell. Maybe it's not very obvious, but I'm very out there. <laughs> I've always- Not at all. Doesn't register. <laughs> what are you talking about? Just always- <laughs> Hi, I'm Rubina. I've just always been so myself that um, it, it was hard growing up because I am not like anybody else. Okay, everybody can say that, I know, but I really am not. <laughs> I'm really not. And I'm not afraid to, you know, be myself and be out there. And I remember it being a problem at the high school I went to because it was such a, I don't know how to, can I say the place? I really don't think you should send your kids there. Sure. <laughs> Westlake High School, do not send your kids there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just not. Oh. If I get hit with a lawsuit, I'll just send it to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll talk to them. Um, No. Okay. You can send your kids there, but it's going to be a lot to unpack later on in life. (laughs) Um, There, it's a very rich, it's like something from a movie, you know, very, the kids, the 16 year olds for the sweet 16 would get a Mercedes. And, and, you know, it was all about appearance and money and the haves and the have nots. Mm -hmm. And I was a have not and have never. (laughs) And I was bullied for being me, basically, 100% for being me. It wasn't even like, because I was short, which I honestly, I, I would have rather you picked on that because you're not wrong, but uh, it was for being me, being so out there and being so confident in my, and being a weirdo, <laughs> I guess. So and, would people like verbally attack you or was it more physical? Like what kind of bullying? Oh, um, it was, I would walk home from school and people would try to scare me and honk at me mm. um, while I was walking, <laughs> you know, like I, I would be in the middle of the street and the car, the because it was, you would have to cross where all the high schoolers leave and exit the parking lot. And they would um, just basically try and make me feel threatened while I was walking in the sidewalk mm-hmm. or even across the street. They would honk and like say things. Um, it was, it was, oh man, <sighs> the guy is famous now. So it's kind of crazy. I'm not even going to lie. Well, we won't say his name, even we though I'm dying to know. Yeah, I'll, you know, um, good for him, but he traumatized me. And it's weird to see him now doing his thing, which also makes sense because 
you know but that that's just the high school this is the high school where yeah well so you were brave enough to ask for support so what did that look like for you moving out of the closet that moment of just rock bottomness and actually did you ask your parents did you tell your parents or did you research it on your own like what was the next step for you no I didn't even want to go to be honest I didn't I think my dad actually found me and was like you are not okay (laughs) <laughs> and I remember not even wanting, I still didn't even want to go. And the lady, um, the therapist that I went to, and this is what I'm realizing now, I, she made me feel even worse, to be honest, because every time I went, she would forget the things that we talked about. And I felt even more <laughs> unheard, unseen, and invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I somehow, I mean, thank God my dad. My dad is the one who... I didn't really care for anyone else to see me that way. And my mom and I didn't have a good relationship for me to be like, mom, you know, I'm being bullied. No, it really was like I had been caught in the act of crying and then had to confess. And then he made sure that I wasn't going to do anything crazy. Oh my gosh. I don't even, this is one of the first times I've ever talked about this and it's kind of freeing, but also I hadn't even realized how my childhood or my, my high school life had been so terrible. <laughs> I really hadn't realized, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I am so appreciative of you sharing. And I think so many people I know in this community will be able to hear this and really feel seen and heard just by you sharing your story. So, I mean, I, I certainly appreciated it. And there's so much shame that goes yes. into these memories that we bury so deeply and also it's really confronting when we start to talk about them but god there is there's so much healing in sharing our stories and it really crushes shame when we do that and it also invites other people to heal for themselves as well so when do you feel like you when do you feel like you reached a point where you could kind of start to see a light and you could come see yourself really healing um, and turning a corner with all of this? When did that happen? Oh, fairly recently, honestly. And I think that's what I really want to make sure people know is it's a journey. It's not like you wake up one day and you're like, I'm all good. No, it's every single day having to choose to fight for yourself, you know? Um, I think this was, so I had that low point, but then I had another low point, which was my low, low, low point. Um, and I had gotten a DUI and that's really when my life turned around, which is why I feel the need to share it is because I feel most people think that your life is over when that happens. But if you can choose correctly, I don't want to say correctly, but if you can choose what's good for yourself after that, then there's still a chance. You still have a fighting chance. Um, but it was after the DUI when I really realized, because obviously okay, there's like the middle school, then there's the high school, and then, you know, there's college where you're binge eating, binge drinking, doing all these things, you know, I, my weight had fluctuated up and down and up and down. I remember having, feeling really, really good because I had lost a lot of weight and then feeling really, really terrible and then getting it back. It, it was never, I, it was always up and down. They call me roller coaster rubes and it is facts. I've always been a roller coaster with my weight, with my emotions, with, with how I express myself. Mm. Um, but 
it was really only after I got the DUI that I really like turned myself and the way I looked at myself and the way I thought and saw the world and again myself um and took control over it and realized I get to shape and choose my reality you know it's people will always have something to say and there will always be something going on there will always be something that tells you you shouldn't or you can't and it might even be you telling yourself that you shouldn't or you can't but having to choose and realize only you can choose how you see yourself and how how the rest of your life will play out um it was hitting that rock bottom again that really low point of what am I doing Mm -hmm. and do I want to keep doing this yeah so what were some of the changes that you started to make when you hit that oh almost immediately it was a toxic relationship I was like this gotta go this is clearly not where a lot of me wanted to blame it on him but the real growth was when I realized you're choosing to be in this relationship Mm -hmm. you know that's really choice, what, personal yep. responsibility, personal yes. choice. Yes, definitely. Yes. Uh, it's it's so much easier to blame other people. Like I want to blame, oh, I was bullied or oh, I, yeah, okay. It is true and you're not wrong. But at some point, what happens after after the event or, or trauma is it's up to you. Hmm. you know? um, and I am a big, I'm a, big believer in having to choose for yourself um, and realizing it's almost 99% of the time how you react that is the big deal over what actually happened. It's how you deal after it, you know, because it's whatever it is, it is what it is. And how, how and what you choose to do after that is really what shapes your reality and and your future. 100%. And this isn't bypassing emotions either. You still get to, you still get to feel everything. You still get to go through the emotional process and the the full spectrum and take your time with it. But it's also uh, like, this is true for me too, in my own journey. And it's definitely not always not always um like complete or close to perfect but it's it's just coming back to that choice and deciding for yourself and that those are the big level up moments um I consider them to be at least where things really change radically Mm -hmm. so how do they change for you like actually getting to this place where you adopted this mindset of taking personal responsibility you let go of this toxic relationship did you get additional support what what were some of the other things that that shifted toxic relationship was the big big one um I started exercising for myself it was a a form of escape Mm. um and obviously that can go there's balance everything is balance right (laughs) everything's balanced I also ended up going way too far with that all uh because I think feel like, you know, you, you get rid of something and you fill it with something else with another obsession. So I went too far with that, but it did actually help me. I have that balance now of, you know, you don't need to work out every day to feel like you're going to stay healthy. It's more, I try and focus on what my body, um, you know, 
that tells me what I'm trying to listen to it. But I started exercising um, and I had never done that before, which is so crazy because my first thought was, okay, I'm going to just not eat rather than let me exercise. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, what was, how old was I? I might've been like 25 when I finally started exercising, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it became part of my routine. It was something I did to replace the person and the time that I would have spent with that person. Um, and then I also finally started cooking for myself Mm. I had never really done that I always went out to eat and I was also this is hard because when you're a bartender I was a bartender um it's that toxic environment of Mm -hmm. you eat late you eat garbage you drink um that makes sense why I got the DUI now maybe um (laughs) see it it goes it all goes together that's why I have no shame because Mm -hmm. you know it's all part of it's all part of it. I would really wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't yeah, have it's a part of your story and you owning it is powerful. Yeah. Um, but I started investing in me. I didn't, I still think I should go to therapy. I think everyone should go to therapy, but I started taking it upon myself to really, when I felt an emotion or something, instead of dealing with it in a way that was um, otherwise obviously unhealthy or not really helpful in the long run, I would ask, I would talk to myself. So I guess instead of going to see a therapist, I would just start talking to myself, which sounds crazy, but it is something people need to normalize and start doing is ask yourself, you know, in the middle of a thought, be like, why are you thinking like this? Why are you doing this to yourself? I ask myself a lot now and I'll be like, Rubina, no, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would call myself out because I think that's what we need. We need somebody who calls us out on it. And it needs to be, weirdly enough, yourself. Because who are you around the most? You. Totally. Oh my God. Yeah. I've I've actually adopted a, a like really succinct te- self-talk practice over this past mm-hmm. year with COVID, with everything getting so quiet, but wow. really like specific inner dialogue. And it's just been a big 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 helpful tool in my toolkit that I've um I've really appreciated uh yeah I'm right I'm on board I I feel like it's so powerful yes Uh, I'm curious how you how you untangled some of the cultural narratives that were so interwoven in your story so (laughs) the mental health aspect you actually getting to this place where you were seeking mental health you mental health help and you were also doing the work yourself and also the new narrative for your body and how you were showing up in the world and your body and possibly how you were commenting or not on other people's bodies where where did you start to untangle some of that? And did that change any of your relationships in your family? What was the process like for you? So the family part was a big one, was actually cutting a lot of them out, mm-hmm. um, which is, I feel like, taboo. You know, they're like, oh, it's your family. Um, but I don't necessarily believe that someone deserves to be in your life just because of blood, you know? Yeah. I agree. That's it's <laughs> a super toxic uh, ideal to have just because, you know, someone is related to you means that they deserve your time or your energy. Um, mm-hmm. What happened with that actually is, oh man, my story is crazy. And it's not, I feel 
should I circle back to being about my body? Because this is, <laughs> um, no, it's all part of your story. Go for it. So my mom had had a brain aneurysm, um, that ruptured. Um, I was 20. No, no, I wasn't 20. I was 19. And it's a very long story. I'll try and bullet point it, but basically my mom and my dad had been separated for like 10 years. So, but they never really got divorced. And that side of the family, my mom's side of the family is the only family we have here because my dad, um, all his family is still in the Philippines. So it's just, that's the family I grew up with. So when I talk about people um, in my life growing up, making fun of me or teasing me, even just for me being myself or other than that gaining weight or whatever it was my mom's side of the family Mm -hmm. um and so when my mom had her brain aneurysm that side of the family took it upon themselves to make sure that my dad didn't have a say because they didn't like this is a very long time that they did not like him he would never they they just didn't like him at all obviously him and my mom weren't together but they were not cordial (laughs) and so in the middle of that to make sure that my dad was wasn't going to have a say on my mom they took us to court and to make sure that they won the conservatorship and this is when obviously me and my sister are going through it we don't know what's gonna happen with our mom and they decide to take us to court just to make sure that we don't have a say so that gives you enough idea of how who they are as family Mm -hmm. Because it really easily could have been me and my sister that were, um, you know, the conservators. I was 19. She was 23. But that that whole experience made it where we just did not associate with them anymore, which mm-hmm. at the time I felt hurt and upset because I felt like, how are you turning your back on me right now when I possibly need you the most? But now looking back and this is I, I'm always um, you know blessing in disguise kind of person mm-hmm. those are the people I did not need in my life that made me feel even more insecure about my body about me being myself about me being you know expressive and this person being Rubina and I'm that's probably one of the better things to come out of my mom having her um brain aneurysm we did end up losing the conservatorship that was the worst part but it sealed the deal on me never speaking to them again um and that did help me become more me you know that helped me let go of the i i guess the box they were trying to put me in yeah isn't that interesting because at the beginning you said uh should we tie it back to my body image story and i just think it's so fascinating how we tend to think that our body image stories are just about our bodies. And right. really it's such a so deep out holistic overview of all of these components that contribute to how we feel in our bodies. And this is a great example of your own story illuminating this part. So uh, I'm so glad that you are able to create the boundaries that you needed to feel fully expressed and uh, just embodied in yourself and also facilitating a path to deepen your relationships with your family members that you kept in your life too and your friendships so that's amazing how is your body image these days and I also am dying to hear about roller skating (laughs) (laughs) it it definitely ties in it definitely ties in that's why I 
honestly, it all, it all ties in. So however you want to, however direction you want to take it, go. My body image of how I think of myself now. Yeah, what's your relationship with your body like these days? Oh man, I, I love her. Mm. Bless her for getting me up in the morning, for putting air in my lungs and for make, having legs that can get me to roller skate. You know, I can't even believe uh, how cruel I was to myself um, and to my body growing up. And I always say, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late. And I'm so grateful to be on this other side now because I, you know, there are times when I fall into the comparison, um, especially now because I've become a skating influencer of some sort, you know, comparing to other bodies that I see. But it, the cool part about the roller skating community is that they're it's so inclusive. There is every kind of roller skater you can imagine. You, you know, size, shape, color, every kind. And is such an inclusive community and predominantly women that it is one of, I want to say it's one of the most amazing communities you can ever be a part of. And it has 100% helped me with my own um, perception of obviously how I look, yeah, that's the easy part, but mentally, physically, and emotionally, roller skating has changed my life and how I see myself and how, what I think I'm capable of. Um, there's something real about start trying something because roller skating is really just you versus you. If you're going to be able to do the things that you see other girls doing and you want to do that thing, it's really on you, whether you do it. It's not about whether you're capable. It's whether you're going to put in the work because everyone can do it. Um, and it is really the way I get so emotional thinking about it because every girl or person doesn't even matter um, who roller skates can tell you how much it changes your, the way you see yourself and, and the way you kind of see the world too. Um, because it's a literal fall down nine times, get up 10 situation, mm -hmm. literally. And, and when you can apply that, that physical part to your mindset, it opens up so many doors. Oh, oh you, I need, I need a pair of roller skates. I'm not even kidding you. You, uh, yes, you do. Because, oh, it's life-changing. And just the, it's the closest I think as a human being, you will ever get to flying, um, or feeling like you're flying on the ground. It's, oh. It's oh my God. I absolutely need a pair that, I mean, that's like my life goal to fly. Yes. <laughs> I also love how you're painting the picture of this community, Rabina, because this is so incredibly important as it relates to our embodiment practices and making peace with our bodies and just our relationships with our bodies, but how we show up in them, the communities that facilitate support and expression and just being comfortable in your skin. I mean, it's so interesting in your story, how this shifted when you, when you were in a community with some of these family members who, and at school as well too, who really hindered this part of yourself and then finding this community in roller skating that has enhanced it. And it's, it's just such a great example that I think so many people will hear and resonate with and, and hopefully feel inspired by to create for themselves that it's not black and white. It's not, it's not either or. It's both and, and it's you choosing for yourself. It's you creating an opportunity to put yourself in communities and environments that really facilitate you as you, your fullest expression that 
want to enhance your light versus dim it down. So, uh, oh my gosh, that is the saying I always say. I'm not even gonna lie to you right now. I'm tearing up thinking about how much this has changed my life and how much I know I hadn't had, I hadn't experienced anything like this before, you know, and a lot of people don't even in their lifetime get to find something like this that just lights their soul on fire and, you know, enhances their light versus like you said, dimming it. Mm. I always say never let anyone dim your light because I spent 25 years or I don't know, I want to say like 90% of my life being dimmed down by people being told that I am too much or you know I'm not enough or you need to change this and you shouldn't do that and this the roller skating community is your ultimate hype team mm-hmm. <laughs> like there is nothing you can do well I mean obviously we're and this is the part two we're gung-ho on on everyone being included in rights and all that LGBTQ and all that we are we are for for the people and by the people we're hardcore about that as a community which I love as well we're like you can't be racist here we're not we're not gonna let we're we're not gonna stand for that shit better get out you know um but as and I mentioned that it's like majority female um but that's the part that's so empowering because you know I feel like throughout history, girls get a bad rap for being catty or, you know, not being able to, you know, it always being competition. But this is weirdly enough, the one community I feel like that it isn't about competition at all. We are hyping each other up constantly. You know, there's so many different types of roller skaters and styles of roller skating um, and all over the world. And I guess you could say this about a lot of other, other niches, but something about roller skating you are instantly connected to the other person because you know the shit they had to go through to be able to do what they're doing you know there's just that mutual respect and understanding I always call it an alternate reality because you just know once you put on a pair of roller skates you fully understand what it took for that person you see doing that thing to get there and I wish we would apply this to regular life because why don't we just understand in general everyone's going through something you know Mm. I feel like it's uh, roller skating such a metaphor for the way the world could be. So I always say, man, if everybody roller skated, the world would be a better place because uh, there is something about it that just makes you understand people and the world better and yourself. How did you discover this? What did you grow up roller skating? How did you get plugged into the community? Girl, I am only a year into roller skating. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm only a year into this. So uh, it's not even been that long, but I I can't imagine my life without it now. It was, I'm what you would call a pandemic roller skater, a pandemic roller as they as they coined it. Um, okay. Yeah, um, because there, of course there are people who've been doing it for years and this goes into a whole other thing about people saying, oh, roller skating's making a comeback. And we're like, bitch, no, it's not. Black people have been roller skating for years. It was their escape, roller rinks and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole other topic, but. Uh, for me, I know that this is something that's been around for a while and I just feel lucky to even join it now, even though I'm, it's been around forever and I'm only a year deep, but I, I am a lifer now. And I think that's what happens. I think that's what you realize when you do start roller skating is like, there's no way you're not going to do this for any other part of your life. Even when you're 
did did a friend introduce it to you did you see somebody else doing it did you get a gift for (laughs) like how did you start I guess you could say that I didn't even have any interest god bless my sister Christine I call her Craney we call each other Palan don't ask questions it's not Tagalog I made that up because I'm this is who I am um (laughs) Palan found a pair of roller skates in her size and my size and this is when roller skates were equated to gold basically like mm-hmm. you could not find your size in or a style in any shop and she went the one day this is where it comes full circle are you ready yes the one day pigeons roller skate shop was open during that month um that's when she went and she got me a pair of skates and that is the shop that i now am sponsored by and work for oh wow i didn't even want a pair of roller skates i didn't even care but she went into that shop got herself a pair she didn't want to do it by herself so she got me a pair um we put them on three days later and i have not taken them off since (laughs) okay okay so this could be like another three hour podcast episode no i'm sorry no 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 it's i have so many questions um (laughs) the I mean, so many questions. The main thing that are coming up is, okay, this happened in the past year. So yes. what's what's the Cliff Notes version of this story? You're, you quit your full-time job to oh, be okay. a full-time roller skater. How did you get a sponsorship? I mean, apparently okay. you must be really good at this and you had never roller skated before. So, yeah. <laughs> oh. so I told you that I had started exercising a while ago. That helped me during the pandemic. I... I didn't want to just only eat and I decided I wanted to at least stay a little bit active so I would you know try try and do some workouts um but the pandemic of course that I needed something else to do and I I was furloughed twice I lost my job and then I got another job and then I got furloughed again because we went into lockdown and then I just decided you know what I'm just gonna skate because I don't have shit else to do (laughs) (laughs) so uh, accompanying that there were I saw on Instagram because obviously we were on social media a lot god bless social media during the pandemic it kept us connected weirdly um I decided to start a whole other Instagram because I had had one a personal one just to document or kind of video my journey mm-hmm. so I would just go you know day one this is what I'm doing whatever and a lot of it, it was a thing in the community and that's where the community became really big is everyone was documenting and sharing their journey so I decided to share my real journey you know the fails the falls and all just be me being exactly myself because at this point I had literally nothing else to lose mm. <laughs> job I had just gone through a breakup um it was you know I had nothing else to lose and I was like screw it I'm just gonna put myself out there I don't even care if one people one people (laughs) if I speak English if one person even sees this so I started an account it um it kind of took off I did I basically just started doing tutorials to help people I called them beginner for beginner tutorials basically where I claimed I know I'm not a professional but if I can do this you can do this so I shared that and then in one month from September to October my account grew to, to 10,000 followers wow and, yeah it was crazy it was crazy and then um from there you know it was mostly the tutorials I think that helped um me grow so quickly but I had still been you know sharing exactly who and how I am 
Um, and it just kind of became like, kind of like a vlog and me sharing, you know, how my mindset is and how I just be where like, how are you not afraid to fall? And I'm like, I already fell a thousand times in my lifetime. <laughs> this isn't, this isn't shit. <laughs> you want to really fall. Um, so, you know, and that was like getting the DUI and losing my mom and like all that. So, yeah. Wow. It really is such a metaphor for life. Exactly. Exactly. And then, um, I guess pigeon who's God bless her. That's my boss lady. We love her pigeon found my account. Cause I had been tagging her a little bit because her shop, because I was like, this is where I got my skates. You know, I was excited and she liked what I was doing. She asked me if there was any way she could support me continuing to make my content. And then that's when I eventually she's like you know what I'm gonna start an influencer team so I got on that team basically she sponsors us anything that we need and then you know that turned into a whole other conversation because I started bartending again I hated it because people were worse than ever Mm. you know post pandemic y'all are terrible (laughs) um, to the servers (laughs) servers not servants but okay (laughs) so Uh, I hated it um she was aware of that and she needed she loved what I did with my own account and wanted me to end up doing it with hers and then I decided I'm gonna go all in I'm gonna be a content creator I'm gonna keep doing this thing and I'm gonna be her social media manager and I finally left the bartending team oh my god amazing amazing I mean this is honestly hearing your story this is in flow like this is you just taking inspired action trusting yourself showing up unapologetically taking just the next step not 10 steps ahead being super clear with where the expectation bars in your life all of these things that I try to practice in my life really uh, speak to a lot in this community and with clients and whatnot, but your story is such a great example of all of this and really just like your life opening up because you're showing up for yourself so much. This is fabulous. It feels fabulous. Honestly, like my eyes tear up when I think about it, because like, if you asked me 10 years ago, if I thought I would have ever made it out and being happy, I'm so genuinely happy like I it brings me to tears to think about how happy I am and it's like my first time ever really being single too because I had always gone from relationship to relationship because you know it was a source of um what is what are, you know fulfillment of feeling valued yeah, and totally. having someone else make me feel like I'm worth something rather than me knowing I am just being me mm-hmm. so it's really crazy that you know the first time me being single and finally letting go of feeling like I need to be a perfectionist and letting go of worrying about feeling and letting go of any expectation I had put on me by other people and put on myself because of those other people and seeing how if you really let go of those things and let yourself just be and believe in yourself that sounds so I hate that believe in yourself believe but like for real like I know damn self and your shit changes yeah I feel the same way too it's so cliche but it is I mean yes it's, it's so it's basic so powerful. But it, it really yeah. is so how do you manage comparison because you're in it oh. in your content creation and your social media game and I mean this is your job so any practices that you can offer this community or tools that you use in terms of just really taking care of your mental health and emotional health oh yes 
especially in this day and age, because we're all on social media and, you know, it, social media is partially comparison. That's like the name of the game, you know, is making, making you feel like I wish I had that or FOMO is what people profit off now, you know, mm-hmm. fear of missing out. But I always tell myself, I have to, I've, I've had to pull myself out and be like, Rubina, you cannot miss what is meant for you. There is no missing out on what is meant for you. It's already yours. Um, and when I find myself comparing, cause I, you know, from time to time I do, and I always say comparison is the thief of joy. You are doing it to yourself. Um, because just because someone else is doing something doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't, you know, of the same uh, purpose or caliber or potential. Mm-hmm. I feel like comparison really is the thief of joy. So when I catch myself looking at other people's and being, why is this like this or why doesn't mine do as well I'm I stop myself in the middle of that thought I pull myself I put my phone down and sometimes this is gonna sound like a crazy person because I you know what I am I don't like saying crazy like a bad thing crazy is great you know we're all a little crazy let's normalize crazy I will lay down flat on back on my on the floor and I'll have to pull myself out and I'll be like Rubina I am grateful I am humble and I am blessed and I'll say that you know, a couple of times to myself to the point where I'm like, what are you doing? You silly. You're so silly. We are so silly to compare ourselves to other people because it doesn't even make sense when you think about it. When you think about comparing yourself to someone else who uh, one is not you, did not go through the same things as you, has a totally different path, purpose, and journey. Why would you have the same? You know, it doesn't even make sense. Even when they try to put us in the same box, it doesn't make sense for any of us to have the same goal because we all don't have the same purpose. We are not all, you know, given the same gifts. Like you are you and you, your gift and your power is in you being you. So harness that shit and then see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a great exercise. It's a really great grounding exercise. Yeah. Like uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And the thing about social media, it's so one-dimensional it's just one little blip it doesn't tell the whole story even though we kind of coin it as this storytelling Mm -hmm. app it really doesn't you know and so what looks amazing we don't really know what goes on behind closed doors for that person and so that's important just the perspective of comparison as well too to just acknowledge Mm -hmm. this is one frame and moving forward and also to keeping to keep it in mind like yes we get to connect and build community and feel inspired and all of these things and just like you're saying when that comparison creeps in grounding ourselves and bringing bringing things back to reality this is i mean this is so so inspiring i want to buy a pair of roller skates now <laughs> that's the goal i did my job I have a code. I mean, like I do have a code, but please share, please share your code. Please share where everybody can buy roller skates. And also, okay, let's just wrap this conversation up, even though I want to talk to you more with the next step. So everyone is like, get me roller skates. Where do they go? (laughs) How do they start? What besides, I know you have all your tutorials and everything, but if people are like, I'm not on social media, tell me in my ears right now, where do I go? How do I actually get into a roller skating practice and find the community that's going to facilitate this amazing life. Oh, I got you. Okay. 
because I am serious. It will change your life. The way you see yourself, the way you see, yes. Everybody needs a pair of roller skates. One, I'm serious about that because the other cool part is you can bring them anywhere. Think about that. You can bring them anywhere on a, I call it a skatecation. It can come and it is, it is a total, I, I don't I like calling it a, a mental vacation because when you're on your skates, it's a totally different world. Um, so Pigeons Roller Skate Shop, that is the shop that sponsors me. That is the shop that has helped me change my entire life um it's so cute too honestly their website like everyone has to go to this website it is so great (laughs) pigeonskates.com or you can follow us on instagram i'm managing that account pigeons roller skate shop dot no pigeons roller skate shop not dot com um pigeons roller skate shop and my code is rubes in all caps that's r-u-b as in bravo e S rubes and that'll save you 5% on your entire purchase so you can get your safety gear you can get a helmet you can get um you can get your skates you can get different wheels depending on where you're gonna skate um and if you are going to skate here are my top here my top three things okay I'm, I shouldn't say if when you do let's manifest this when when you choose to skate this is what really helped me was treating it like it was my own dance floor. So music helps. I always say focus on the groove, not the move. If you're hyper-focused on trying to learn a specific move, one, it's not fun. Um, And two, it it doesn't work that way. You have to let your body feel what it's like to be on skates. So it's all because it's all about balance. Two, this is what everyone always does wrong. I think everybody always stares at their feet thinking they need to see what their feet are doing. But when you walk, you know how to walk without looking at your feet, right? So look ahead. I always say, look, don't look down, look ahead at the future (laughs) of you roller skating. And and that would correct your posture and 100% you'll already be a better skater than a lot of people who are looking at their feet. Um, It changes everything. So don't look down, look ahead, focus on the groove, not the move, and safety gear. Like, obviously, your body, your choice, your body, your choice, but you feel less afraid to go for it if you have some safety gear. So the mental block, it really helps with that because you got to get over the fact that you will fall. Yeah. I mean, that's my fear right now. I just said to everybody, I'm going to roller skate and my uh, next thought was uh, actually just kidding. What if I fall and screw something? What if you fall? But what if you fly? Uh, I know, but what no. if I end up in the hospital with like a- <laughs> <laughs> one? I always, and this is probably one of my videos. I mentioned how my I have real fear because I didn't have health insurance, so that's real. Um, but mm-hmm. I I always tell people once you understand that you you will fall, like yeah. I fully accept that you will. And it is 100% part of it. It doesn't mean that you suck. It just means that you're new and there's room for improvement. Like, what if we looked at life that way? Instead of thinking when someone gives us a no, we were like, okay, never mind. I'm never going to do it again. Or we thought maybe I'll try some other way, you know? Yeah. Well, and also options. So what you're saying about the safety gear, like that makes me feel better. I can get on board with that. There's there's not, it's not all or nothing. It's not like you're uh, falling in in the hospital or you're not skating at all. It's right. You can get a helmet and safety pads and practice falling and being okay and all the things. So, okay. So all of this is great. And Pigeons has this and where do people get plugged into a skating community? Is there a website or like 
Facebook groups or something? How do people find amazing communities in wherever they live? Oh, I've been actually trying to help a lot of people with that. Um, because some people do struggle with that. Sometimes there are meetups that you'll see posted online and a lot of people do classes or if there are rinks, like if you have a, a, a you'll, you wouldn't even know that you had a rink in your community until you started skating, trust me, because I didn't even know. But there are rinks, there are skate parks. And so, it, and this is really where it matters. There's so many different styles of skating too. I like to jam skate. I like to dance and listen to music. Like that's my style of skating. And that's a lot easier because you can go to a rink. Now there are other more hardcore things like skate parks where you can go there and I went to a skate park and is it's honestly one of the most welcoming places. People are will, are willing to show you, you know, what to do and how how to do something. And even in in terms of you know the community, a lot of it because I obviously, like I said, found it during the pandemic. I found a lot of people online by having an Instagram account. Um, but if you even go anywhere that let's say it is a rink though the rink culture is amazing it's mm. it's so beautiful it's so inviting it's not hard. it sounds like oh man how do I find a community just go wherever there are skaters and it is an instant community I mean that when I say it it's not there's no weirdness at all about your skill your level all wheels are welcome and people want to help you so the community is kind of built into you having a pair of skates and then just in your wherever you live, finding, you know, a, a rink or a skate park or whatever style you want to do and going there. Um, obviously, the internet is where you will find if there are meetups. That's, I don't, I don't know if they're posted in a newspaper or something. Do people do that? Uh, but it, in this day, <laughs> yeah. probably, but there's resources yeah. out there. So I, I, uh, no, I think this is a great starting point for everybody and for myself too, just a clear next step. So Oh my God, you are amazing. Thank you uh, so you're much. Amazing. Seriously, thank you for sharing your story and just going here with us and having these hard conversations and also expressing yourself, showing up just as you are. And I'm just so excited for you and you being in this place in your life. And I will absolutely let you know when I get my first pair of skates. Uh, I will come meet you for a lesson. Ah, yes, because you live in LA. I'm serious. I'm, I totally I'm so excited. Yeah. Where can I totally find will. you, Rubina? Where can people get in your world? Rollercoast and Rubes. My Instagram name is Rollercoast and Rubes. And uh, please come and find me and follow me and we can chat and I will help you. I have tutorials. And it's not even just, you know, about, like I said, you don't have to be gung-ho. Like, I'm going to skate every day. It's not even about that. It's just... Uh, realizing skating can be your me time. It's your time for you. It's the time where you challenge yourself and you prove to yourself, you can do this. And it, it's a whole, it's a journey in and of itself, a self journey and um, a self love journey at that. Um, and yeah, Instagram is mostly where I'm at. I, ha I just started a TikTok, but I go, I'm 32 and it's, it's hard. <laughs> I'm not, I feel like I, I, I don't want to say you're too old. I'm for anything ever but it's you know it's a younger generation and I'm I'm figuring that out but an Instagram is where you, I will actually interact with you and we and help however I can not just on skates but in life love we'll link everything in the show notes to keep it super simple thank you so much love this was great thank you so much Caitlin I appreciate you thank you for making me have a safe space and letting me take up space mm, definitely that's our show 
thank you for spending time with us today. Our show producer is Stephanie Olea. Shayla Anderson is our community manager. For more information around healing your own relationship with food and body image, click the show notes and you'll find direct links to our guests plus resources and more. If this conversation resonated with you, please leave a review and share it with a friend so that we can continue to heal and empower these important topics around our relationship with food and body. Sending you so much love, confidence, and strength. I'll see you next week for another episode. Thank you.